You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit Patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. Uh, uh, I'm a bottomless pit for history. I'm a history buff. I listen to audiobooks like all the time. God, my my vocabulary sucks. I thought like, I'll, was I'll too, stutter. Eli. Yeah, Eli at a <laughs> when we were driving one day, um, he was like, "I like Walt." Man, he talks really good. He's got a huge vocabulary. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he does. You know, Eli's Eli's from Winston County. Winston County, yeah. Winston County, Alabama. Ain't nobody talking with a whole lot of big words. <laughs> you know what they talk? Uh, Bardow. They eat that they boy. That, that boy can flat out. Listen, y'all catch a lot of hell about family trees being straight. I'm telling you, his has got a Y somewhere behind him, and it's half human, half barred out. I'm telling you right now, that dude is straight <laughs> out somewhere. I took a picture of him, uh, Matt, and he was he like, like they were doing this calling competition at the Patreon hunt, and Eli gets up there to do the he's he entered the competition or whatever. He's a good caller too. But he gets up there to do a hoot owl or owl hoot. And like most people, when they do the owl hoot, they, they just kind of keep their mm-hmm. their face and they may they may do something with their jaw Talk and they're like, oh, 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 you know? Yeah. But Eli, this boy's mouth, like his jaw comes out of socket and it like goes up to the side. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but it looks like Talks a freaking exorcist. Yeah. yeah, he starts moving. Like a blowed like, up Tom. Yeah, he's manifesting something coming out of his mouth, moves over to the side of his head. And it's, I mean, and it sounds good too. It sounds amazing. It's a, uh, I don't know. Hey, whatever. Oh, <laughs> man. I took a picture of him. I, I turned up my shutter speed 
my camera one day. I was like, yo, do that owl hoot. I'm going to show you. He's like, man, am I really that bad? Is it really that bad? Like, dude, your whole face shifts. <laughs> you, look like a, you look like an anamorph. I'll tell, tell you what it looks like. You know how in the movies when somebody turns into a werewolf and their jaw like does that weird, like that swear to God, and that's what he did. And he had a beat, and his eyes got really big. And he couldn't like move them. He just had to like move his whole body for a second. His so, head like, turned. His head turned all yeah. the way around. Like, yeah. That was freaking out. Uh, that's great. Well, Guys, if y'all can't tell already, we have turkeys on our mind, and it's a yeah. it's a very very tough thing um, running the the deer hunting podcast. The last two weeks, we've done a done a series kind of with with David Miller jumping into postseason scouting stuff, and it was great. We really appreciate David and what he he does for the podcast and the knowledge that he brings um, for us. So we've got. Parker McDonald here tonight that's this ate up with turkeys. And we also got Walter Lee in here that's eat up with turkeys as well. So we're I'm I'm excited to see what kind of conversation we're even gonna dive into tonight. So we we don't have a set topic really to talk about. And sometimes mm-hmm. those those are the most fun conversations sometimes. Yeah. Um so we're not trying to push an agenda on anybody. Um we're just here to talk some deer hunting while we think about turkeys and <laughs> trying to mean Walt just had a whole political discussion <laughs> like the before, last two hours before we got on this on the well, on the man. line here so i do not talk politi- i do not talk politics on podcast yeah Ooh. i don't really want to talk politics in general you you um, mix that with deer hunting and campfires and it's, it's not it's not a good thing yeah but, uh how about this? How about how you know why Deer Camp is so great? Because nobody talks about politics. We have different Deer Camps growing up. Y'all talked about politics? Oh my God, all the time. And I would just sit there and zone out, staring into the fire because I didn't even want to hear it as a kid. It was so bad. And the thing is with politics is in and that crowd, pretty much everybody's going to agree on the same thing over and over. It was like one big circle of of ideology. It was all the same thing. They were all in just regurgitating it. Yes, yes. And then Budweiser flow and the and Black and Miles got smoked. It just got even more outrageous the entire time. Y'all smoking Black and Miles at Deer Camp? Oh man, I grew up with an old school camp, dude. One dude smoked a friggin' pipe. It was beautiful. I didn't understand the pipe. Black and Miles is a little like that's kind of like a gas station cigarillo. That older older generation though, man, that was that was a, like a they were in it, huh? yeah. At least in Southeast Georgia, it was. God, I used to love a good Black and Miles. I, I smell it to this day, and I go right back to the doghouse. We had this place at, at my hunt camp. Well, I lived on my hunt camp. I was lucky, but there was this old man, Mister Griffin. He was like a grandfather to me, and he had an old two car garage out back that he put a, a, a plexiglass wall up. Had air conditioner, pool table, all kinds of cool ass antiques in there. Oops, sorry, you want to edit that out? Um, oh no, man! Cool, <laughs> cool, cool antiques. And the boys would sit in the back and we play pool while the old men pontificated up front. And they would drink Budweiser, just straight Budweiser, not Bud Light, none of that Budweiser tall boys, and smoke black and milds. And they'd sit there in their rocking chairs. And it was a privilege if one of them got up and left. It was a privilege to sit in one of those rocking chairs. And the moment another old man would pull up in his golf cart, your butt better have been up out that chair and back there playing pool quiet. There was no talking to be had. <laughs> Smell those black miles to this day, and I'm right back there. I love them. Do you know who else? Man, loves them? 
My wife. She likes what? Black and Miles too. Yeah. It's a classy yeah, movie. Let, let me tell you something. Is it though? Black and Miles is kind of not a classy thing. But she's old. Depends boy. on where you at, what part of the city. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Cause yeah. I've always thought like Black and Miles are kind of like what you roll weed up in. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Like that was the only reason people were buying Black and Miles. <laughs> Nobody actually liked the yeah. they just thought the wood tip wine tasted yeah. good mixed with cannabis. Um, that's at the doghouse, and those arrows are out of the doghouse. Something like that. When he passed away, he uh, I I got that in the wheel. I got his bow in the closet. Is there? I wonder if there's a good black and mild in there. Probably. Okay. Uh, what 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 is that? Is it a sheath full of full arrows? Yeah, quiver. Uh, as quiver. the bow hunters bow hunters would call it, a quiver. <laughs> These are all cedar arrows. That, that thing's huge. These are cedar arrows that he he glued the tips that's on that's and pretty, painted them by hand. It looks sharp. Is it sharp? I don't know. Touch it. No, it's not. I mean, and, yeah. You're going to see that on the end of Parker's bow this year. That's his new broadhead right there. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a it's a bear. I'm an idiot. FOC I had baby. Five. No, there's no FOC to this. Mm-hmm. Era. Um, Man, I, I had can. five unopened boxes of these from the '80s that I threw away. Didn't think they were valuable. They're the old school. You can get that thing sharper than a freaking razor. It's old school steel. Heck yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I know we're jumping in on the deer camp thing. My my childhood in deer camp was totally different. We weren't like a part of a club that like camped out, did fires, cooked out. Me and my dad kind of just like stayed to ourselves, and I, that's that's kind of how I still hunt to this day. You know, I guess within the last three years, I've really kind of branched out hunting with people, but like. I hear people say deer camp and I get, I get jealous because like I would have, I would have liked to experience that, you know, but then you also hear a bunch of stuff about people having to be quiet and talking, talking about hiding their spots. So it was totally, totally different for me, you know, from what, from what y'all are experiencing. I know what Walt's about to say and he's about to get over, get on here and he's about to start plugging away on his, his own little Patreon that he's got going on. <laughs> he's about. <laughs> I look. We locked eyes, and he's like, "I'm about to say it." I knew it I was. Saw, Go ahead, Walt. You are correct because you're correct. So here's the deal: if you're like Matt and you think, "Boy, this sure applies to me," what you should do is pause this podcast, swipe over to the Chasing Tales Outdoors podcast, <laughs> and join our Patreon <laughs> because we have a hey, we have group. a Patreon too. <laughs> <laughs> But we don't have a Discord group. Yeah. Yeah. And how many channels yeah. do you have? We don't have a Discord group. No, how many channels in Polo do you have? Polo just one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But in, in all seriousness, we're we're wait, time out. There. Since you did that, I just remembered. I just remembered a little wager that we had going on. Which one? Uh, yes. We had a wager yeah. that was Are you gonna bring that back after you wave that debt? Did I wave it? You did. When did I wave that? <laughs> right, right after the season ended. And I called it Adam. I called Adam and I said, if if I win this wager, he's going to act like it wasn't a real wager. And if I no, lose, it, you're going to wave it. Hold on. Before we go any further, explain, explain the wager to everybody. Go ahead, Parker. So as you remember it, Walter decided, I don't know where he decided it at, that. He wanted to make a bet that he was going to kill a bigger buck than me this year. We told Matt sees a deer I was chasing. Okay, well, well, you know that. I mean, 
Did you see if a picture I showed, of the If I yes. showed you every trail camera of the deer <laughs> I had, I mean, <laughs> that'd get you going too. <laughs> Um, not in Florida, Hoss. So, so Walter, I, I, I got some Florida deer, and I said, "Listen, if you want to do that, you can." Like, and not just because I've just killed a whole bunch of big deer, but you gonna tell them the backstory or not? You gonna maybe do it? I don't remember what the backstory. Backstory was. was you were in a slump because your season had taken a turn, and you were you were poor mouth and everything. And so I texted Babe, which is Adam in my phone, because his wife calls him Babe. And I said, pretty normal thing for a wife to call their husband. I don't usually call my friends by the name that their wife. My wife calls me Walt. So um, don't call me. I said, Adam, I said, I'm going to challenge him to a wager so that he'll get out more. And I challenged you then so that you would you wouldn't like this is on the air. So I'm going to ask ask this. So this wager was for motivation for Parker. You were just being a good friend to motivate Parker. This was this was charitable contributions to the Southern Ground family. Yeah. So okay. here's, the, here's what the what's the the bet was, I guess, or the yep. This is what we had to win. What you had at stake. Well, the, yeah. Here's where here were the stakes. That's that's a good way to say it. Um, whoever wins, the other has to put an ad for their podcast on their podcast, and. Did I? I never even questioned whether or not this was a real thing. So I don't know why you think that I would have. Because I said it on a podcast, we would have gladly had you had you killed a bigger deer. We'd have gladly put an ad on this podcast for the Chasing Tales podcast, which we actually kind of already do because we talk about you a lot. I know. I hear about that all the time. We talk about you a lot. Um, if Drew's on here, we're really going to talk about you a lot. Oh boy, talk. He loves to. He loves to get at Walt. But anyways, we haven't done it yet, but I'm, I don't remember calling off that. You called me. You said, so I said, I killed that little six point and you called me. You said, how big is he? And I said, he's tiny. And he, and he goes, so, and I never forget it. He went, so is your season over? And I said, yeah, I think it's officially over. He goes, <laughs> he goes, well, I'm not going to hold you to that, to, to that ad space. I went, okay. And I called Adam in that moment. And I said, I told you he wasn't, he was, he was going to call it off if I didn't do it. You probably was, felt bad for him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when you're, when your little boy decides he wants to fight you and you know, he doesn't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, this, this, this daddy who did, who knew I didn't have a chance. I was getting on really big deer and I was getting really close and every time I'd call him, he'd go, did you get the big one? And I'd be like, no. And he'd go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I really, hey, those were some big deer that you just sent me. Like that, you know, people don't think that's, you know, where you're hunting. So talking, you know, about, talking about deer camp too, you know, um, I, I'm the same as you, Matt. Mine and your Deer camp experiences were probably pretty similar. Dad had a few friends that we would hunt with from time to time. Um, one guy in particular, his name is Dale Washburn. Um, just the bet he was a roustabout guy. Um, I don't know why I'm talking about him like he's dead, he's alive. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not dead. The late great, uh, but we, I, you know, I grew up in West Texas, and he's a roustabout guy, and he was just the funniest, not on purpose, like oil filled kind of rough around the edges dude mm-hmm. you know god he was so funny and so much fun to have at deer camp he's kind of like more of an uncle really because mm-hmm. him and my dad were so tight 
so he would he he would hunt with us too when we were out there but for the most part like we didn't really uh, you know dad's not a drinker so most deer camps are people sitting around drinking beer he don't really care if people drink mm-hmm. beer around him or anything like that but we don't we never really did that scene mm-hmm. um uh i'm talking about my dad like he's dead too <laughs> it's not he's alive Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not bad either. The, the heart of an angel song just <laughs> No, dad's very much alive. He's on a cruise right now. Hey, did y'all know that cruise ships go to Colombia as a port? Really? That seems no. weird. It feels like like a mule yeah, it transaction. Seems like, it seems like, hey, where y'all going on your cruise? Oh, you know, Korea. North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to see Kim. gorgeous. I mean, where, where, where y'all going? On, where y'all vacationing at? Yeah. We're thinking about Iraq, Afghanistan, maybe. You're going to so go to the sweatshops. You lost all three of your Colombian followers. <laughs> you know, that's not even a racist thing. That's like a just equated to this. Like, what really bad? What's places. the first thing that you think of when you think of Colombia? Drugs, yeah, okay. Well. Two things that could mess somebody's life up pretty bad. I don't know that it's North Korea, Iraq level, but I mean, I, th- I immediately think of Pablo Escobar, right? Like, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and when he's Colombian, one. that's Colombia. I'm, I'm gonna, I am gonna say that the hot women edge out the cocaine, though. That I was thinking about. Like, I, I think it might be hot women cocaine. Really? Well, okay. I think about. I, I think about. I think about. I definitely think. Anyway, that doesn't yeah, have anything yeah, to do with different anything. But we're talking about deer camp. Are we? We were <laughs> talking about deer camp, and for me, um, I value that the the type of raising that I had. Right, like me and Dad are pretty tight now because of. I mean, that's yeah. just kind of what we do. We spend a lot of time together. But through hanging out with guys like Walter and going on their Patreon hunts, um, and then just you know the the trip that I do with Clayton Bond to Kentucky with that group of guys, um, some of the tethered hunts that have been on, there's a lot of value. So it's, it is a lot of fun. And you genuinely, I get, I enjoy the trip more when you have more people to share it with, Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like everybody's telling their stories you're having a good time. And when somebody kills something, golly, that's like, everybody's fired up about it. You know, when everybody goes on a track, you know, yeah, everybody going on a track. It doesn't, it doesn't make anything better. Like, like the moment is still what the moment is. It just amplifies what happens there. If you miss the deer, everyone's sad with you. And it's, it's a sadder experience, right? If you're on a blood trail, the anticipation's higher because like when you kill that deer, you're still feeling that high. When you miss that deer, you're still hitting that low. Um, but because it's kind of like, and I tell people this all the time, it's like having a cameraman. Everyone's seen really well-intentioned self-filmed footage. It captures it. It's a hunt. But the moment you have that second person there in that situation, it's just amplified. It's mm-hmm. more of what it is. And when you have that deer camp mentality where you can come in and you've shot a spike on public land in Florida and the cabin erupts like you just won the Daytona 500, right? That is an amplitude of, of an already awesome feeling. Or, or when you we had one guy, he shot a deer, couldn't find it. We had five guys go back to, to their hometown to get their blood tracking dogs and then come back to find the freaking deer. And so like it's like the very last day, everyone's leaving, right? There's only five guys left to camp. Everybody's on polo. 
And then his face pops up and he's found his deer and like polos erupting and everybody's losing their gourd. It just, to me, it just amplifies what is hunting as it is. I don't really feel like it changes it, but that might also be because I came from that past. So that, that to me, that's what hunting is. I've had to develop being a solo hunter and that's taken a lot of energy for me. There's a lot it's of people tough for some folks. Way. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know. They don't know how to, to how to cope with it. I mean, I've dragged plenty of deer out by myself. I've done plenty of things by myself, you know, and now, you know, I'm 28 years old. I'm not that old, but you know, how do I want my, you know, my kids? I know y'all both have young, young kids. Like what kind of foundation are y'all setting for them? You know, going forward, you know, y'all are already kind of setting a, a hunting, hunting camp kind of atmosphere with the people you surround yourself with. And Parker, you said it very well. Like you and your dad are really close. Like me and my, my my dad's my best friend. Like I I turkey hunt with him. That's Saturdays are designated for me and daddy turkey hunting. You know, and then during deer season, Saturdays are me and daddy unless I go somewhere else. And so that that's great to cherish, but it's also cool to experience the things as Walt's talking about because it amplifies that. Because when I get about around a bunch of dudes, y'all know how it is. It's like when you turn into teenagers again, you get giddy, you get the giggles. And like, you know, some people are like, oh, y'all are acting like a bunch of schoolgirls. Well, no, we're just enjoying ourselves. Like it's, it's a good time. And, you know, my, my whole voice changed. I've, I've done a couple of videos with some buddies and like, I've killed a doe and haven't killed a boat with any of my buddies, but my whole demeanor, my face, my voice, I get a high pitched voice going on. You know, I don't have a deep voice anyways. But you get excited and you just, you know, you, you kind of go crazy for a second, but that's what makes it so fun and you can look back on and and really take in. What are you when laughing kill, about? When I killed that Osceola uh, last week, uh, I, I had never, I don't think I've ever had a, like a camera guy film any kind of kill or anything like that. <clears throat> and Eli filmed that one. And I just got country. Out of nowhere, <laughs> I don't talk to Aaron Warbritton. I just got like, like I don't say the word like, like you know how people say like, what's, what's going on, Bob, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I don't say that. I don't. That's not a word. B A W is not really in my vocabulary unless I'm taking, <laughs> making fun of Carl Ray Holyfield. Yeah, that's pretty much the only time that's is right. when I'm mocking. What the hook gone by? Yeah, <laughs> when I'm mocking ignorant, ignorant people. Uh, but when I shot that bird, doesn't Ben Odie say that? I don't. I don't think so. No. Okay. Good. It's different. I mean, <laughs> I, I know good people. Like I know good yeah. guys who say that. Okay. I'm saying I only say that when you're mocking. Or people. apparently, when I shoot turkeys now. Yeah. Because when I shot this turkey, I just immediately got country. And I'm like, who? Who is this fellow? What? What word did I just use? And it just flowed out of my mouth so nicely. Turkeys bring it out you, man. They say you know you're telling a 40-year-old man to get it, boy. I mean, it just it, it just it flies off the tongue. It brings out who you are. I think that's really what matters. That's thing that's really the blessing here, Parker, is I think you bury your country really hard. You have this false persona that you bury, but deep down you're about as Texan and Alabama as it comes. You see that? Yeah. When you're eating potted meat just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, dude, I, I'm not like a potted meat guy. I don't love spam. Like, I don't get that. I have found hey, if you, if you I get, found God's gift to fake meats. I don't know if it's even fake. It's just kind of canned barbecue. Dude, canned barbecue is 
can pulled pork. You know that's not pork. It's a, it puts pork parts probably. <laughs> pork parts. Like bologna. No, do you get like, spam? What is bologna before it's blended together and like compressed? That's what you get, covered in barbecue get, pot, get potted meat and put it on a cool ranch or a nacho cheese Dorito. That's good. Potted meat? Potted meat, yeah. Do you seem like are you a Vienna sausage guy? You like those? Oh, I like Vienna. Yeah, yeah. You like put, put it on a cracker. I love beanie weenie. No, I ain't touching a beanie weenie, but I will eat a case of Vienna sausages. I don't and like Vienna. Get the hell off this feed. Just go ahead. Vienna. It is not Vienna. It is a Vienna sausage. I've uh, Vienna. Most yeah. guys in Alabama say Vienna. Vienna. Yeah, Vienna sausage. God. At least most guys that I know. Hey, here, here's here's a thing I, I listened to. You know, y'all were talking about random stuff being pulled out my butt at the beginning of this podcast linguists right people who studied language in this country southern folks are mocked for their accent the funny thing is if you study the history of language we are retaining our european roots with the way that we talk it's everyone else that should be mocked because they're plebeians because they've forgotten who they are <laughs> so there it is so maybe it's the I, so we still belong well, I think we're still royalty. Why am I paying taxes? That's a great point. Great conversation. I think we talked about that earlier. We ain't going on there. <laughs> so we've, we've talked about deer camp, kind of what it means to us. Did we? And yeah, we have. Yeah. And um, what about the gas stations that have all the Polaroid pictures from like the, the 80s? Do y'all ever that, like want to go back to that and and be part of that? I'll tell you. I'll tell you one. I'd like to even get back further. I remember you run into somebody that hunts, and their eyes light up, and your eyes light up. They go back to their truck and they pull out a photo album out of their center console full of them photos, four mm-hmm. by sixes that they got at the twenty four hour turnaround place. Y'all remember that? I remember when twenty four hour turnaround was a marketing pitch because it normally took longer. But you'd have it, and he'd be like, oh, I think that's Jansen's boy. And he flips it out, and on the back of it, it's got the story. And he, I mean, you'd be sitting there for like six hours, sweltering summer heat, just talking to this dude. Oh, and look at this one. You can't tell in the photo, but he's got a split brow back there in the back. And he flips it over. He goes, oh, yeah, we found this like three days later. And he put it back in the thing. And I remember that. Like, I remember sitting there and connecting. And the moment you were talking to another outdoorsman, he had a stack of photos in the center council. And and nowadays, what people are looking at when they do that, yeah, obviously they have they have a freaking eight thousand dollar camera they're taking their pictures with, and you can obviously see the split brow times. It's like every photo you mm-hmm. see, you see is mm-hmm. really well yeah. made, you know. See the um, eyes on the fly. Oh yeah, I think I think that, more camera. That's one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. right now is uh, just mismatch the flip out of stuff. Yeah. It always makes me feel better when I don't have any <laughs> matching camo on. It's funny how that cycle went about. I, remember, I grew up with mismatching camo because I couldn't afford it. I remember uh, wearing army surplus BDUs that I get from the Goodwill. You, did you ever have to do that? They were, they, they, they were do- double-stitched cotton fabric so that if they ever turned oh, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah you're talking about. that's what I grew yeah, up I, I would say I did that, but I get to turkey hunt private land in Alabama, so that means I'm privileged. And yeah, um, we're peasants, bro. So, <laughs> yeah, we're peasants over here. We gotta wait. That's why I had to drive no. to Florida. No, that was a, that was a huge thing. That's like what you said. I think we look at people different now if they have matching camo. It's kind of like, <laughs> what are you doing? 
<laughs> Isn't it funny? Yeah, it's, it's totally changed. I don't care that as much. I mean, and that was short lived. That was really short lived. Like now, people are like, I just want to wear solids. Uh, the the like solid solids. thing is kind of a big deal, and I do. I, I'm with you. I'm with all those people. Yeah, and I also, so remember nice. when I felt like such a ba for having matching camo for the first time. I was like, shoot, man, when I take these trophy pictures, mm-hmm. yeah, they're mm-hmm. gonna be fire. They're gonna go off. Like I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> no one will never know. I hit the steer with the sound like a bunch of bunch of women matching clothes. Yeah, did my, my boots go with this top? That's right. No, y'all ever been in a deer camp where guys are like, "Man, what do you think about this?" Like, do you think these pants look good with this shirt? Y'all ever seen that? I I've have. been that guy. Deer camps are probably the worst because because still guys are trying to flex. You know, people are talking mm-hmm. about their outfits and it's it's real similar to probably like a women's get together. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm this is this is a real Louis, not a fake one. <laughs> no i i got like when we went to kentucky this year i like did a big order of some clothes and i was like really excited to wear them and i think i wore the same same pants like four days in a row just because like I, I felt cool walking through the woods and i'm like i was floating <laughs> or something it's just it's just weird like i don't, I don't get it same with boots i got it's a pair of those long, like not that you get the crisp crisp right or crispy whatever they're called yeah, the crispy thors i want to i want to get a pair of that but like you know the on cloud tennis shoes uh-huh. i've got on cloud boots like i'm i can i can run fast <laughs> through the woods. like oh that was a, that money bro my wife got me that huh? for my birthday i'm gonna so. say man I, can I can I spit fire for a second? Spitfire. Okay. Are you gonna are you gonna push your Marco Polo group again? No. Uh, okay. No. But has it officially <laughs> become douchey to wear new designs of camo? Like if you're not wearing Mossy Oak or Real Tree, it's kind of uncool now. Suddenly, like I remember, you know, I was in college. I was like, one day I'm gonna be able to afford fill in the blank camo because I'm not gonna try and put anybody on blast. And now I'm like, I can't wait to get that stuff off faster, man. Like, I'm like, I want to blend in. I want to look like every Joe Blow out there, bottom land, make me look like a stump, man. Like, I don't. It's true. I mean, here's the thing that you get when you when you buy things like First Light, Sitka, things yeah. like that. Like the, whatever you would want to call them, top tier type stuff. Kuyu is probably in there. Yeah, definitely. That you get this functionality that's actually pretty legit with all three of those companies you you've got really good functionality like i've never owned a piece of sitka gear adam has and adam has told me he's like dude it's just just the best like it's really good like it's the the uh which one was it that he was telling me the fanatic maybe oh that he wears literally every time he hunts like how everything is designed with Mm -hmm. intentionality you know um but when you see the guys that are like killers, and that doesn't mean that not a lot of I know killers who wear nice camo too. Yep, so absolutely that 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 absolutely exists. But it just kind of seems like maybe that's not their top priority. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think. I see a dude walking in and said, I think that dude just got out of a box line off of a manicured field 
behind right that no one else could not even carl ray could jump over right like that's just like that are we opening can we blast him now like is that a thing i mean it's public record yeah you can't stop the hop that's all i'm gonna say um yes. <laughs> i mean we won't really blast a whole lot of people but are we one. even blasting it i mean that's this is a really... public service announcement yeah that's true yeah but I mean, that's what I think when I see it. And and I'm the guy that's wearing the matching name brand camo now. And so it's like, I have that connotation of the other dude wearing the same thing I'm wearing. Um, and that sucks because I, I like the stuff. I just don't like the feeling that comes with it. Anymore. Yeah, that's where I, that's kind of where I land. Because I, I feel the judgment. I walk into the gas station and it's like, it doesn't matter that I've got a freezer full of beer and, and you know, I shot turkeys last year and then I'll probably shoot turkeys this year. And it like, I walk in and like everybody stops and just stares at me. What's yeah. the fuck you doing out here in the country? Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. You can just put out a quality, you know, quality solid that's not... You know, I know Sitka and First Lot put out quality solids, but if you could get somebody else to do it, you know, I know Bottomland is like partnered with Duluth and they've done some pants. I'm wanting to get a pair of them. Haven't yeah. got a pair yet. I've been putting that off. I think they're really good quality, um, but they're not. I don't think they're the. Okay. Like First Light and Sitka are like the designer brand, like the designer clothes of the hunting. hunting yeah, they fit the way they fit make you feel like you look better. They're and yeah. they're, technical, they're technical garments. They're not just a piece of fabric that you put on for camo, right? Yeah, like, like yeah. you're talking four way stretch. You're talking about Gore Tex impregnated laminate stuff. I mean, it's it's legit impregnated. What a word. Yeah, Gore Tex. What? How you yeah, do that? You have right. such a vocabulary. How does that happen? impregnated i just rolls off the tongue man it's that <laughs> sick speaking. um but you have you have these different you have these different technical garments and they truly are better today we I've were got, outside and walt said we were looking at a cardinal and his wife was like look at that cardinal he said oh that's not a cardinal that's a red bird you know what you're right it's a juvenile card <laughs> like a juvenile <laughs> Juvenile cardinal. Called, Most man. people would have just said a baby cardinal. Yeah, it's not a baby. It's one. <laughs> it's a juvenile cardinal. It's a juvenile. Anyways, uh, to to enforce this, uh, the clothing deal real quick. So I bought a pair of first light underwear. <laughs> just because I one. just because I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I'd wear them suckers every day if I could afford it. <laughs> I do. I've got they're thirty five dollars a pair, and they're worth it. You only got to wash them once a month, but great. They're great. They're great. Just hope you don't. Month, you know. No, if you wear them around work. I mean, he now he's got a blue collar job. He actually leaves his desk. I said blue still. collar job. Man, yeah. I walk through the woods. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt. We weren't going to say nothing about it, but you killed a turkey today, and this is why we're kind of. This is why we're kind of, on like for for a while, 
I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm turkey hunting. Like, I don't really want to think about deer and you've been taking, taking charge of this deal. And today you're like, I just want to talk about turkeys. Yeah. It's you finally bad. got, you finally got to pull a trigger on a bird. Did. Tell us about but I'm, it. I mean, I, this isn't, a, we, we can't talk about this. Can we not? Is it not allowed? I'm trying to think how I can tie it in with deer. I, I didn't see any deer today. I was scouting for deer when I was accosted by a wild turkey gobbler. Yeah, I had a turkey try to rape me. Accosted? I had to send him off. Yeah, thank you. I don't even know what that word means. Assaulted, I've got to pull out my fourth grade vocab book to see what that is. got to work on Alabama, man. Accosted? Yeah. I just don't, I mean. Y'all are really making me sound like a pretentious. Even if I knew the word, I don't think I would use it. Anyway, uh, but Matt, now yes, I I did kill a turkey today. Um, it was a very beautiful, perfect morning, and everything went wrong to begin with, and then everything went right within a matter of ten minutes. Um, I got under some birds and ended up boogering them up. Got in there a little late. They shut up. Well, there were two more goblin about four hundred yards away, and I trekked it up the hill. Al hooted, located them. Walked up the hill again, Al hooted. He's about 80 yards. I sat down, yelped three times, and he came right in. I shot him. And, uh, you know, that kind of, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I killed him at 6.30 this morning before work. And um, I don't think I've ever killed one that early. Um, I, I expected him to still be in the tree, but he was on the ground, had a hen with him. So it was, uh, it got me going. Needless to say, um, I, I know I've been talking about it a good bit today, and I've done a little bit of turkey hunting, just hadn't killed one yet, but that's all I can think about now. I'm ready I to see it ready. Deer. I can tie it into deer real quick. You want me to? Do it. Yeah, do Talk it. about this uh, hunting before work. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, that's hard with deer. When I hunt, the, the when I worked at the church, I'm going to tell them myself, but I don't care. Really going to fire you? Yeah, they can't fire me anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> there were times when absolutely I had every intention of skipping out on some work and just continuing to hunt. Maybe I shot a deer at 7 o'clock. And you, you feel like you have to post it that way. Like, oh, it went out before before work, big words, before work, and kill it because you, you just can't hold it. You can't take it until the weekend because I think it goes through everybody's mind. Like, I can just wait till the weekend and post a picture of it. But most people can't. That's tough. I've told myself I'd do it, but <laughs> I can't. It's, um, it's a real thing. Like, And I know there's a lot of guys out there doing it. Going before work. There's about a lot of very sick individuals who kill deer too. What do you mean? They've called in sick. Oh, I got oh. you. Yeah, I was I was scared where that was about to go. <laughs> no, I kind of held my breath. Kill deer. I wonder in like a blue collar town like Coleman where I live, dude. When, I wonder how many people actually call out. I, I know in a lot of small blue tower blue collar towns where deer, but the hunting culture is strong. They don't even fight fate. They just shut down for certain times of the year. There was a there was a town in southeast Georgia. I can't think of the name of it. It had one pulp mill, and the pulp mill shut down for like the first week of deer and turkey season. They did not even fight yeah. it. It was just part of the benefits 
you're going to get paid and they shut the dang thing down because they just knew no one was going to be there. So why are we going to try and get stuff done? Yeah. yeah. I had a lot. I had a logging crew do that this year. Really? He had one piece of equipment go down and he went, Oh, okay. That's a good excuse not to work for the next month. And they didn't work for the next month. <laughs> they, they went up, they have a cabin up in Kentucky, went up there and just stayed there. Um, and it was, you know, that's fine. Whatever. I need you to work. But if you can somehow survive and not work more power to you, I'd probably do it too. I mean, he's doing all right. He's got a cabin in Kentucky. Yeah. They rent it out. Oh, they rent it. I thought you meant yeah. That. They rent it out. Gotcha. But no, the, the whole, I don't deer hunt before work. Too much um, work. that's, I've got, as I've, as I've gotten older, I've, I've understood that like, a piece of mind going in the woods is a lot more rewarding than going wondering, Hey, if, am I going to get a phone call? What do I do if I get a phone call? Um, how do I, you know, what, what would, what would happen if I got caught? You know, that that's too much of a stress on me to be able to actually enjoy the hunt. If that makes sense. Um, Cause I mean, even on weekends, if I have something that is pressing for me to do or like, I go hunt in the morning and I got to be back by 11. You kill a deer, you can just scratch those 11 o'clock plans out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of. I want to clear though, that it's worth it. Like at that point, if I kill a deer. Well, I think your criteria changes though, right? Because you're not going to. Yes. You're like, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to call out or I'm going to cancel a meeting where other people have scheduled time. It better be fill in the blank. It's not just button. Yeah. Yeah. That's too. I, I will tell you now, now that I work for myself, like today, I was working a bird that I honestly should have killed. Um, I, I would really like to kill him tomorrow. Uh, and I was getting work calls and work emails and, you know, people messaging me about designs and things and stuff that I've been working on. And uh, like, so I do get to hunt a lot i can hunt pretty much what i want um but i don't really ever get like the valuable like rest hunt you mm-hmm. know what i mean i'm out there hunting until i kill something and then i'm gonna take two days and i'm gonna work solid and i'm gonna get right back to it you know what i mean so i don't ever really yeah. get a huge release of like Punching yeah like i'm yeah. i'm going to just enjoy it it has happened a few times where I've been able to finish all my work, get everything done, not take anything new, and just shut it off. And those are those are fun. I think yeah. those you pretty much hunt whenever you want to. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's a trade-off though. So if people if people want to um if people want to go out and just get it done, like make it happen, go out, grind it out, yep. kill as many deer, whatever as possible. It's a great thing to go to work for yourself and sure. and kind of be able to make those decisions. But yeah. if you value hunting because it really helps you get away from everything else and maybe stick to weekend, weekend warrior. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Cause you, those for two sure. days can be very, if, you know, it's biblical too. Um, it really is. Let's talk about this. The Sabbath is a very biblical thing, so much, in fact, that it's one of the Ten Commandments of having this day of reset. Um, 
God took a day of reset whenever he created the earth, right? Like it talks about it in Genesis. And so I think that we you really do have to have that, like just as humans, just as human beings, we've got to have this, this time to ourselves where we've been busting our tails for six days. But on Saturday, you go out and hunt. That's your release. That's your getting away from everything the way that we do it and the way that i do it is not so much and so a lot of times i feel like it's almost like you almost feel when you're doing it that way it's almost like mother nature's working against you you know what i mean mm-hmm. it almost even not mother nature it feels like just things are working against you mm-hmm. because yeah, you're, like you're forcing it going and getting that like reset it's you're not using it in the way that maybe it was intended yeah, I think it, it also, if you don't have that flexibility, it also forces you to be very efficient, which is something you talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. You pride yourself on being efficient when you go into the woods. When you go in and you expect to come out with something, right? Less efficient now that I can hunt more. Right. But but I still, I still, you say that, but even when you hunt more, when you aren't efficient in the time that you're out there and you're not killing deer and you're not getting on deer, you talk about how inefficient you're being. So I think it's always present in the back of your mind, but um i think that a lot of guys feel a lot of pressure with that one day that they have because their career doesn't give them that time they don't have that ability to flex their hours and do stuff and i think that actually that pressure to perform kind of cripples them in a sense mm-hmm. i think it, you end up overthinking things yeah I, I i truly believe the guys like andy may i think what makes them killers is they simplify things i don't think he sits up all night going i wonder what that deer is going to do the joker simplifies the approach. I think they're doing this, so I'm doing that. And he's confident in there, and he goes in there. And obviously, he's got a pattern. He understands what things mm-hmm. are doing. Um, what a that's a that's a way to think about it. How many times have we heard people talk about, um, like everything was going wrong? Matt, here's a good example. Your turkey this morning. You're running late. Didn't think you were going to get there on time. Everything's going wrong. You almost my one of my biggest my biggest Alabama buck that I've ever killed mm-hmm. was on a day where my motor broke down mm-hmm. and I just kind of had to just take the next next best guess. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah, I simplified it, didn't overthink it. Well, I guess I'm gonna go over here because I can't get to where I wanted to go. I'm just gonna set up on it best, and the wind works out for it. So I'm just gonna go there. I cherish the days where there's an extreme amount of adversity. A lot of people. And the polo group will sometimes get on there like, oh, well, this happened. Oh, well, this happened. Well, and you can see them getting down. And I've experienced enough in the woods. There's almost this universal threshold that has to occur. Like so much effort. Has, and, and this sounds really like hippie for me to say, but it feels like people are like, well, what does it take to do to kill a turkey? What does it take to kill a deer? It takes what it takes. And it feels like you're putting deposits in this bank of I've earned it. And that can look like a bunch of different ways, but it feels like somehow there's like a universal realignment where when the motor breaks down and your trolling motor doesn't work and you're paddling your way into a random spot, those are those monstrous deposits into that, into that, that it takes what it takes. Um, and then suddenly like, that's when I killed my, or seen my biggest deer, the big Georgia buck. Mm-hmm. That was a day every day I'm thinking. Oh, that one? No, that's the Florida deer. Oh, that's a Florida deer. Yeah. A hot day. Yeah, and that was a day that everything went wrong. Right? Now that you say that, the wind was wrong. The cold front didn't come through. It was 69 degrees to start the morning in, in November. It was supposed to be 47. 
the wind shifted while I was in the stand and actually blew out into the field that I was watching, the cutover that I was watching, and it was blowing in his face. And the only reason why I killed that deer was because a doe came running out of the bottom that he was chasing. I grunted, and before the wind picked up and, and, and really hit him in the face, he skirted the edge of the field and came in at 10 yards, and I shot him, and he fell 30 yards from him. So let's talk about this. We talked about it a little bit last night on Limhanger, which is there's a plug for Limhanger podcast if you're in a turkey hunting and you really want to hear the story of matt's turkey that he killed you want to hear some tactics and things like that about it we're going to talk about it at some point on limb hanger um we're trying to keep all of our turkey conversation as much as we can there but i did talk about this last night so what's the one thing that i've always seen work in turkey hunting how many times have you heard somebody say well i just sat down and just sat there and he came in or i just sat there for couple hours and I heard him gobble and went after him. This is it literally happened to me today. Mm-hmm. I have heard it happen so like so much. So so much to a point where you start to see a pattern mm-hmm. of freaking slow it down. If you'll slow it down, you don't always we, we want to be running and gunning and covering ground. That voice in the back of your mind's like you just got to put on miles, put miles and miles and miles. Mm-hmm. When usually I mean for me, if I'm turkey hunting in an area, it's because I probably know that there's a turkey there or mm-hmm. I've found sign or I've seen them there. If you'll just sit there, I mean, I've killed more birds like that than anything. So we see that pattern and it, it, we have to fight it. To, for people, I have to fight myself every single time when I decide to do that. And almost every time, I'm not going to say almost every time it works. So many times it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to fight that. Talking about deer hunting. If we just went in and said, screw it, I think there's a deer here. I'm going to go in and kill him. Be mindful about wind and things like that. But I I talk about this a lot with Jeremy Aaron watching him on Do-It-Yourself Hunter. It's like the small things just roll off his back and the big things kind of roll off his back. He doesn't let a whole lot affect how he's hunting or how he's Mm -hmm. doing anything. He's going to do what he does and he's going to go in there. Something bad's happened roll off his back and he's good to go Um, and the guy kills deer i think we really need to start doing what you're saying and simplifying yeah i I think that that confidence is the kind of confidence that actually does kill deer turkeys whatever you're after i think and this isn't something that i invented i listened to zach barrenball one time it was uh the second public land deer tour he was in pa and they're walking in, they were hunting this mountainside. He was hunting on the ground. He ended up shooting the deer three on the third day. He was honing in on this area and the wind was wrong. And this was that. And all the, he had all these different things. And he looked at the camera and he go, and he says, a lot of people overthink hunting and they overthink what they need to do to kill a deer. At the end of the day, you can't control very much. So find one thing that's to your advantage and leverage it. If the wind is good for an area, leverage the wind if the the ground is soft because it rained it's time to be on the ground use the advantage advantage that you can move around and i would say in the past couple years i've tried to really simplify i know there's deer in the area for this reason i've proven that this is a good spot i don't question it anymore i look at the set of circumstances i'm given and brett talks about this a lot he look he, he bases everything on wind. that's his one advantage he can control he feels like I, I don't. I look at this from a variety of factors. What's the pressure look like? What, what are the different elements that go into it? And then I just find one and I just commit to it. 
And it doesn't matter how the hunt pans out. I know that advantage was to me, whether that's access. A lot of times it's access. Is this an overlooked spot that I can park here, walk around the corner and just slip right in while everybody else is having to huff a long ways. Um, I feel like it's made me a better hunter. Last year I killed probably the most deer I have since I lived here. And all I did was pick one thing, largely wind, thermals. I, pick, I, have, I honed in really hard on thermals and feed trees. And I, I took those two things and wherever I found feed trees and I had thermals that I could uh, and access, probably those three are my, my, my big deal, my big three. I try and align those as much as possible, but really comes down to thermals and finding that one thing that you can really have to your advantage is why I get so frustrated. And you and Adam bore this out last year. I get so frustrated when I would pick that spot because the thermals or the wind should be doing something and then it shifts and that, that advantage is taken away from you because the whole hunt was predicated on that on that mm -hmm. good because of whatever it was yeah i'm 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 there i think simplifying the way that we yep. do things would probably up our effectiveness and i think it'll go actually a bit at fault here yeah because, because all the information that you we put bombard out. people if you want to do this then you need to do this and have you considered this mock scrapes and and rub lines and nighttime sign versus daytime sign like we bombard people with all this information um but i i think i don't think dan infault makes it complicated i don't think he sits up at night thinking what am i going to do to kill this deer i think he he goes in he scouts the area he relies on that information and he goes into the plan that he has and he kills deer yeah yeah i'll stay up late me too looking at deer maps trying to align the stars yep. most of the time you're never going to align the stars unless you just you know know exactly what it is but I, like, I, I'm like you. I mean, even, even like a tr the tree you climb, tree I'll stand in a spot, yep. and I'm just like, oh, I don't think there's a a good tree anywhere in here. I, I, I leave. I'm the opposite. I get to where I'm. I get to where I'm like, this tree would be so good for this reason. Mm -hmm. This tree, oh man, but that tree has the the creek runs right by that one like that's mm -hmm. a range shot for that spot mm -hmm. what if one comes out over here on this corner on this edge you know that's that's where i get like i don't usually yep. have finding trees other than trying to just pick the right one like yeah yeah that's one, and that's that's what i'm saying it's just we can get in any tree i mean we're saddle hunters you can hunt anywhere you want to I can get any um, as long as i can brt in it <laughs> right. as long as it's big as my hand yeah. <laughs> Small um, tree challenge. Tiny tree challenge. You remember that when I did that? Yeah. And the dude that broke the tree and fell from the tree. Did you see the tree that I hung in in Kentucky this year? Uh -huh. I didn't get up very high. Uh, like two foot. It was like two feet up, but it was like freaking that big. Christ. Why did you saw on the ground? Because it was a cornfield and they'd left a buffer strip of corn. To get up just so I got it up just a little bit to where I could see yeah. the opening. So if a, if a deer walked through there, yeah. it actually was a killer spot. Talk about overthinking things. I think we overthink height in the woods. I it's think it's all movement. I think we do. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there is an advantage to being up high. Yeah. But there are times when, like that, where the best spot just is not. Brett, Missouri. He ratcheted three trees together so yeah. he could be up eight feet off the ground and look down in the grass. Mm -hmm. I mean, he said I could have dang near just pulled myself up into the end of the platform. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't. I, I, maybe I'm the only person. This is going to be ridiculous. Have y'all ever spent way too much time trying to figure out what tree to get into, and then like 
it's golden hour and you're still trying to get set up. Oh yeah. And I'll be climbing in. I'm like, well, I'll go to this one and I'll walk like 20 feet that way and real quiet. And I'm like, no, oh, this tree sucks. And you back up 20 more feet. <laughs> like I'll climb this one. And you get up like, like two sticks and you start to question it. I've gotten to where things like that. I just sit in the base of the tree. I'm just like, screw it. And I'll I'm, walk. Good. I'll walk a whole area. Like I walk yeah. almost walk a circle around the area. Well, well my scent. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> all right there. Now I gotta go over here. If I like, what, here. Yeah. Like yeah. what the heck? Like if I have my my tracker on, I'd like just walk circles around the place. Like you a, know, like ain't no deer walk to here. Ain't no wonder ain't nobody killing any deer. <laughs> I just and then that gets into my head. You know, you can't simplify that. That's just another factor. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm worse with turkeys. I think. Um, yeah. Me, me and my dad got to fight. We get to fighting over trees oh, that we're going to set up. It's bad. Really? Yes. I he stoned, He that. threw his gun one time and got so mad at me. Your dad? <laughs> I like your dad's style. He didn't throw his gun at me. It was just a... Oh, okay. I told my dad, this walnut tree is what we're going to... Next thing I knew, I had a Mossberg 500 stock in the back <laughs> of my skull. hit me across the face. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm very decisive when it comes to turkey. To the point where I probably should slow down. That bird Sunday that I told you, I looked up and I was like, ooh, there's my shooting lane. That's how I'm going to catch that bird. And I should have sat my butt down. And I go 20 yards and I plop down. I, I did the, the inflexible... Uh, getting almost getting too old, flop. Uh-huh. You put the seat underneath your butt, and you just kind of fall back into the tree. Yeah, you just sat down. I did that, and as I did that, that, that Tom went like this around the tree and looked right at me. What? I, I I didn't even raise my shotgun. I knew it was over. He just did. You go? Did you do the the infamous <clears throat> oh, dad? Yeah. <laughs> you lean back. You lean back. <laughs> You're gonna get hurt if you don't. You gotta release a little bit. I'm glad it's not only me. I hit the ground hard when I go to sit on a tree. It's like I can hurt myself. It's amazing we don't scare off the turkeys. Honest to God, if you ever think about it, because then you take that 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 um that vest material that's quiet as a church mouse unless you're up against bark. And so it's like a pine tree. Yeah, son. I mean the tree just just fell right there. The turkey still comes. Sometimes. Most of the time they don't. That's probably what kill turkey. You know what? Some that's dude a... somewhere is like, if you would just sit down quietly, walk this podcast, <laughs> not until turkeys. <laughs> oh, fellas, Dude. I'm getting, I'm getting tired. I gotta get up early. I got, think I got a beat on a bird. I think I've got ticks on me. I gotta go check myself. I know I got, got ticks on me. That, don't you? Yeah, I do. There's this whole country song about that. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, she's right there. Wow. You are leaning back pretty, pretty far in that bed. What, what if the oh, I'm cozy. checking in for ticks? His pants are off. I'm about to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's my bedtime. Yep, it's my bedtime too. And it's an hour later here. Oh, y'all better go to sleep. Yep. Hey, thanks guys for listening. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.